Hello. What's up? All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are the Master Blaster Podcasters, putting misinformation on blast. I am Jesus, and we have Dirty Mouth with hey. us as well. Hey. Uh, we are we are the Master Blaster Podcasters. Uh, we're going to do our third episode here. It's going to be on immigration. Hopefully, you've checked out our first couple so far. First one was on woke ideology. Second one was on global warming. Right now, you can listen to them on RSS.com. Shortly, we will be distributed throughout the podcast world, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, whichever podcast channel that you like, and hopefully pretty soon after that, YouTube. So let's get into this. We have the uh, we have immigration, which is a very general um, subject. We're going to break it down into three subsets or three chapters. Uh, number one is going to be the current border control uh, Twitter crisis, we'll say, uh, with uh, the humanitarian issues that are have been plagued the Rio Grande for years and are certainly in the news now. Uh, should we have an open border? We're going to talk about border patrol uh, as well. Uh, we're going to go into why there's such an influx uh, from Mexico. We're going to talk about the country of Mexico a little bit. Uh, see it maybe what they can do to keep a few of their citizens within their own country uh, and give them some better lives there so they don't have to constantly flee. And number three, we'll get into a little bit of the North American Free Trade Agreement, otherwise known as NAFTA, drafted in 1994. Let's start on the border crisis currently. Um, Dirty Mouth, we've seen on the news uh, these floating buoys, which are I thought at first were... Um, you know, this had some barbed wire. As it turns out, there's more to these than just barbed wire. What's going on there? So I learned today that not only uh, is there barbed barbed wire, there's uh, in between each buoy, uh, there's like, I guess like saw blades or something. Um, and recently I learned that uh, some of the Border Patrol or, you know, agents are actually starting to complain uh, that it's just, it's even, uh, it's even too inhumane for them. Like they don't, you know, some of the, some of the agents don't feel comfortable throwing kids into the Rio Grande. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's getting so, so bad. Uh, you know, you got people complaining and it's just making look uh, making Greg Abbott look like a, a fucking savage. Yeah, so pretty much his uh, his updated policy, uh, I believe it's the Lone Star policy that they've instituted down there. Right. Um, you know, too, I actually I, I have family that are are in um, law enforcement, and I think everyone has some people that are in law enforcement military. My cousin actually did, um, started out as a sheriff and then got a job with the, um, with the national police, with the national police somehow with, uh, actually went down to the border and had to work there for a while. And he was, he said it was the most disgusting, most amazingly horrifying job he's ever had. Wow. Uh, he, came back and went back to school and became a lawyer since. But uh, I guess you'd have to have a certain stomach or a certain um, 
mindset to work down there. He certainly didn't want to go. It was almost like being uh, drafted, uh, not to go into war, but to go to someplace you don't want to go uh, rather than staying local. Um, so, the you know, there, there's children and people being cut up by these uh, two-way saw blades, these floating buoys that have all kinds of sharp objects on them, barbed wire. Um, yeah, let's talk about what's... Uh, <laughs> I guess this is certainly something that the governor could improve upon. Um, so let's talk about the humanitarian crisis that uh, he's evolved from, how people are treated there. Um, how could we improve our treatment of other people, even if we don't uh, maybe take them in right away, uh, what are some things maybe we could do uh, as they, while they wait? I mean, could we, could we do something where we don't cut them up? Can they wait somewhere? Can right. they, um, anything but this? I mean, what do you think? Yeah, uh, there's, there's several different ways. Um, well, first, like they have detention centers, which is, gross because these people aren't criminals they're fleeing for uh help because the countries the countries they're leaving from are uh are i don't know how to say this like uh they're not they're fleeing because the countries aren't um safe enough to to stay in uh and it's not like they yeah they could to. be getting chased by sorry they could be getting chased by cartels or something who knows what right, they're running right. from so there's uh, a number of things or you know a shitty shitty government, but um, it's first of all it's like the, you know you could make the detention centers actually like humane, um, and second uh, you know not sexually assault the uh, people in the detention centers that would help. Um, secondly, like you know just treat these just pe treat these people like humans. Um, you know uh, they also. They have to work on, uh, I learned that um, the process is screwy, where it's kind of like, you know, they have, it, it just comes off like the U.S. government has an attitude like, well, you just deal with it, with what we got. And sometimes the, they get cell phones, or if they have cell phones, the, the uh, links to the website that they need to check in are uh, faulty. Um, like I said, there isn't like there isn't a clear system. Uh, you have to go to you know you, you they ha they make it so you have to go to uh, a town or a city uh, for a checkpoint. Some people can't are unable to do that. Um, it would also probably help if Greg Abbott and uh, Ron DeSantis stopped using migrants as political tools and shipping them. Uh, and lying to these some of these people and shipping them to different parts of the country. Yeah, how about it? Um, you know, maybe weed out like the the racist bigots who for the on the border patrol who you know are like whipping people. You know, like there's a picture of these cowboys, cowboy border patrol on horseback, literally like whipping you know Haitian migrants. If you see that picture. Uh, you know, it's just this ad this sick attitude, and it, it's like you you know go to the source. Like uh, the U.S. government could uh, could have put a leaning on some of these countries because uh, their policies are shit, you know, and they're they're un they're unstable. So 
cut funding, you know, like the United States shells out a lot of money, money to other countries. Um, I mean, it's rough, uh, but I guess, you know, currently just treat these people humanely and maybe build, you know, or have better facilities to storm and like, you know, treat them as humans. Like these, this is an emergency. The, uh, the Ukrainians and Russians, when the whole when that whole war started, they zipped right on through, and uh, had no problem because they were white people. But you know, the, a lot of these people are coming from countries that, uh, you know, the Republicans deem as as shitholes, and they don't treat them right. You know, it's like, it's like, well, let's help them out. That's what I thought this country was all about. Yeah. Um, now, just as a a secondary voice, a sort of an opposition voice, because we know that there's, uh, besides the fact that there's Republicans and Democrats, I mean, there's probably a few Democrats out there that might have a stronger opinion, anti-immigration stance than, than we do. Um, mm -hmm. Now, for the record, technically, if you do try to enter illegally, if you do enter, mm -hmm. you're a criminal at that point, or actually attempting to enter illegally as a criminal doesn't certainly doesn't explain that the treatment that they're getting as far as getting cut up with buoys uh some people i think might not have a too much uh sentiment for them if they're trying to enter illegally and um as far as uh yeah, they do want to treat them like criminals right. because, uh, according to them they are now as far as the ukraine i mean do you think this is really uh um an even situation uh, with the a parallel situation with the Ukraine. I mean, they're getting attacked by by Russia. Now, right. there's a difference of being in war where you're getting attacked by Russia. By Russia, and technically, Ukraine are are um, they're not our enemies the way Russia is. I mean, we have we do give them support specifically mm -hmm. to be able to keep Russia away. Now, technically, Mexico's not getting attacked by another country, mm -hmm. um, although you can certainly say the cartels are almost another country within themselves. But what would you say to people saying, hey, you know, this is not this isn't a similar situation. Ukraine's getting attacked and Mexico is not. It's just a constant situation with Mexico mm -hmm. as opposed to a one time thing with Ukraine. Um, well, I would say uh, these people are fleeing. Uh, dangerous situations uh, that are right. unlivable, and I get that you know Ukrainians are fleeing for war, but you know there's like five countries, six countries right now that the U.S. is involved with and contributing to destroying. Uh, you have like the Syrians; they could be helped out, uh, but we treat them like garbage. Uh, the Congo, Congolese, uh, their country's going through some some major battles. Uh, I mean, there's. The Iraqis, I mean, you know, there's people who, you know, the Iraq, uh, you have the Iraq war or, or, you know, whatever, genocide in some ways, they could be let over because we're, you know, contributing. I mean, the, the United States government and the military are everywhere. And a lot, of, you know, I guess the way I look at it is that, you know, we're trying to help Ukrainians and I get that they need help and they need to flee. But, I mean, there's other countries that the United States is involved with um, that have been, you know, uh, like I said, the Syrians that have been pounded, uh, have been pounding 
militarily for years and they get demonized and i think it just uh it just i mean from a perspective it just looks like uh discrimination the haitians that come over like their country is, is going through shit and it doesn't have to be a country doesn't have to be war-torn necessarily for you know for people to come through and even even if they were uh even if they were uh they're getting denied and it's like you know if you're going to use that uh if you're going to use that excuse then it's like then you need to help all the other people and i it's uh it's it's not fair and i understand you know people's uh some people may have an attitude where you know, we can't afford it and this and that but um we have enough money to send troops all over the world to protect uh financial interests but you know these people come over for humanitarian reasons and they they're treated like garbage so i i don't know i just look at it like we could bring we can afford we can afford to go destroy shit then you know we can afford to bring people over sounds like a possible future uh podcast episode as far as where do we have embassies what are our interests there right um and should we even be there right so certainly we do have interest around the world and and uh, partly to keep peace, but anybody that doesn't think it's for financial reasons, uh, you're kidding yourself. Um, and certainly for years it was about blocking communism and promoting democracy, which is a great thing, but uh, it really is up to the will of the country, the people of the country, whether it's Vietnam or wherever you have it, Cuba, um, as to what type of political system they want to have. Um, <clears throat> now, as far as um, besides... It's not just in southern Texas. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, there's problems in New York um, with immigrants uh, coming over illegally, and there's and here in Chicago is a major city where a lot of them have either gotten bussed to, or they've sent plane, you know, sent them on planes over here. Right. And to talk about those two places, Chicago, and New York. Quickly, very quickly, Chicago. Uh, some of the residents of Chicago in the south side of the city where they set up, they put them in temporary homes, they're trying to find them jobs. Some of the city uh, residents here in Chicago, and uh, DMU used to live here, I live here now, mm-hmm. are upset. <clears throat> they think that they're giving them the royal treatment as far as setting them up in temporary free housing and, and doing more to help them get jobs and get assimilated than they do for people in the own in within the city. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand how you can't have some sympathy for these people. They're getting shipped all around the uh, the United States, but what do you think about residents in a city who are um, upset that they're uh, going to the city? Well, one more thing before you answer that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing in New York. Uh, apparently the mayor is like, New York is like, look, what do you want me to do? Right. I mean, we have a, you know, we have a, a moral conscience to try to, you know, try to help these people fit in somewhere. Um, and the the thought process is if you do help find them homes and jobs, that they'll be uh, productive citizens. And certainly the data suggests that um, when immigrants do assimilate uh, here, they do become productive, hardworking citizens. What do you think about these cities that some of the residents are not too happy that um, the cities are trying very hard to help them acclimate to the city. Um, well, I look at it like uh, when I lived in Chicago, 
I became aware of a lot of uh, undocumented uh, Irish people, Russians, uh, Ukrainians, you know, or, you know, Eastern Europeans. Um, and nobody had a problem with that. Um, there's, you know, there are a lot of undocumented uh, white people, and I don't hear ever hear complained about that. And they are obviously running, you know, they're in the system, and there's no problem. You look at a construction site, I bet you could uh, check everybody's status and see what's up, you know, and find out what's going on. So I think it's a matter of, like, I think it's been an overblown uh, scare tactic by the media and uh, politicians um, that, you know, it's just, it. you know, I understand the capacity thing because New York right now is, you know, full, and a lot of that is, you know, caused by, like I said, Greg Abbott and uh, DeSantis shipping people. But, I mean, it... I, I think it's a xenophobic thing. I think it's because these are people for, from other countries and they're, they're not from, like, European countries. And that's my opinion, because um, I know how people can be in the double standards. We have a history of people coming to this country uh, and not being residents. I mean, you had all the people who immigrated here during the, uh, was it 18... Was it 1860s or 70s? You had, like, the Irish, the Jewish, and the... Uh, Italians coming over, they were here illegally for a while uh, and assimilated. Um, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't, I don't, I think it's, I don't think it's fair. And, you know, like I'm a bleeding heart liberal and, and or progressive and it's like, you know, why not? I mean, we, like I said, it goes back to like, um, you know, like we don't have problems going to other countries and sticking our, U.S. sticking their opinion to those countries, uh, but, you know, when people come here because it's like the United States military has destroyed their country, made it uninhabitable, or supported a dictator, um, I, I just think I just think we should help them out. I, I don't think, I don't buy the whole thing that, you know, the these people are upset and they, they can't deal with it, uh, the citizens that and also, it's like, who are these people complaining? You know, like, what? How does that affect them? And is it, you know, are they mad just because a lot of people are there? Like, how does this affect them? You know, like, that's my thing. Um, I, I, like I said, is we could also have a better system. That it all, a lot of it goes down to like, there's been all these different bills passed over the years, and it's like, it, 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 they don't get passed. Like everything, it's more like they're they're quick to judge and and browbeat um, the the people coming over and using them as political powder. But it's like yeah, I agree. I mean, it is it does seem to draw the ire if it's from Mexico as opposed to other countries. Like you said, there's been other countries that have uh, had immigrants. I wouldn't say pass through, but come through without doing it the same process that you're supposed to. Right. Uh, for some reason, it does draw the ire of, uh, and it is being used as a political stunt um, by the politicians. Uh, I mean, I, quite famously, Trump got upset when, when Abbott did it. He said, wait a minute. He goes, That's, that was my idea. Uh, like, he, he wanted to take credit for it. Yeah. Um, that's uh, He's a... <clears throat> He's 
a lovely human being. He's a psychopath. Um, and let's let me let's. I want to ask you a question about uh, the border here. I mean, do you think we should have open borders either in New York or Mexico, or at least have a pecking order set up of why you're coming? Now, if people find out about this, they just lie and say, "Oh, I'm from this country, not that country," and it's because they're at war. Right. But some people have suggested maybe it would be better if we have. Uh, a quicker uh, process. Um, now, of course, uh, it, as far as getting people through, if it's for urgent situations, now, of course, of course some people will say that's exactly what the criminals are going to try to do. Um, what would you say to those people? First of all, do you think we should have an open border? And should we, how, maybe how could we adjust it even if we don't have an open border? Well, first, when I've, you know, looked up and uh, seen interviews with people who migrate here, um, and anybody who just generally applies for citizenship from other countries, the process is so long to apply for it and this and that. And then it, it, there's a waiting process. Um, it, it takes a long time unless, you're, like you say, you're, you're taking dr drastic measures. Uh, I personally think that, like, the border is kind of, I mean, it's kind of closed already. Um, and the process isn't working. Uh, I think they could streamline the uh, immigration process because they get thorough. I mean, they get super thorough. People, you have people who, uh, and I, I was approached by this woman I met online, and she thought, well, if I came to America, and I just, you know, you married married me, and I came there, I'd have a better life. And I tried to explain to her, you know, if, if you came here, and we got married. Like, they're going to check on us, and they're super anal about everything, and that would destroy. I'll go to jail. You'll go to jail or get deported. And there's, I think, it just needs to be clear, first of all, and it needs to be streamlined, and they they, they need to redo it. Um, I, I just, uh, it, 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 it's a long fucking, I mean, it takes years for people to be, get their citizenship uh, and, and, and to get here, you know, and uh, I, I, I think that it it can be streamlined, and I do believe in yeah. open borders. I, I guess I I guess when when you say open borders, when people say open borders, I mean you can't. I mean, are you when you say that, or are when people say this, is that like uh, literally building walls like Trump wanted, which didn't work and destroys the environment, or just a stricter uh, system? Because like a lot of people come through. Uh, by plane and, you know, so it's like, you know, it's not just like people just physically coming through the borders in Texas. Um, and also, you know, people come through Canada. The cartels deal with the Canadian border as well. Um, it's not like Canada is innocent in this situation, but I don't know. It just seems like Canada has, doesn't have the same problem with immigration that we do. And, you know, I, I we could probably borrow some of their their policies, you know. Yeah, no, there's obviously two different economic systems in Canada and Mexico. Canada's as much closer than our, to ours than Mexico is. Mexico's got some big problems. Right, um, yeah. Which we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, it seems like if you were um, an American criminal, then you'd want to go probably to, to Canada first, I guess, but uh, vice versa, mm -hmm. uh, or vice versa if you're a Canadian criminal. But... Um, now you'd certainly get some if, if uh, you know, we don't have the numbers in front of, in front of us, but uh, you'd certainly get some fight on the right 
if we're trying to say that it's even as far as the immigration problems of uh, Canadians sneaking in versus, uh, you know, down south. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just for the argument's sake, I mean, I do not believe in open borders uh, only because, uh, you know, I think you need to have control of the amounts of people that are coming in and out. It's, it's very basic that I think that once somebody is a U.S. citizen, that you're responsible for them and you're responsible for making sure that there's proper housing, that there's enough jobs, that there's certainly is why we could keep a census in this country. You know, we want to know how many people there are versus how many jobs versus how many, you know, do you have a house? How much do you make? Like, what is your living situation? All these things go into, um, are we, are we proper, properly assimilating people when they come in? Do they have an opportunity to have a better life? Yeah. Uh, Cause Lord knows if somebody doesn't have a house and a job, that's what that's what's creating. Um, that's what creates criminals, or that's that's the problem in Mexico in the first place. Uh, right. Not enough jobs for the people there. So, but I certainly believe there could be a. Uh, when you talk about years to get through, I mean that's ridiculous. I mean, if somebody is fleeing a um, a situation where, um, and who knows how far cartels will take? We hear stories of. Uh, we'll talk more about cartels in a minute. Um, if you run into cartels, basically in Mexico, if you are driving around and you have a family and you run into a, uh, a massive truckload of cartels, they'll want to keep you and make you uh, a member of their cartel and work right. for them. And otherwise you could get killed. So um, who knows how far they would take it as far as there's lots of um, cartel deaths. Uh, drug-related deaths yeah. around the border. Now, you mentioned earlier about people flying over. Certainly, if, if, you're, if you're connected to any high-level criminal, people talk about criminals coming over. If you are a, any kind of a successful criminal in Mexico, you're not going through the border. You, you are going to fly into this country right. um, if you have any money. So um, there's been a lot of violence around the border, not just from um, you know the American Border Patrol uh, or the floating buoys, but there's cartels that go all the way up to the border to, to kill some people. I mean, I've right, heard right. a lot of instances of that. So, they come in the country. Um, They're in the country. Absolutely. And do you think they're maybe vindictive enough to go chase people to the border and get them before they actually get in? No, I think they just come in and if they, they, if they well, got to... Yes, but they would be vindictive enough. We're talking about the cartels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, I think they go beyond, you know, I, it's, uh, man, this, this subject's hard for me because it's like, it's so complicated and, and in depth. It is. Uh, it's not a simple answer. That's what we're talking about. We're trying to come to the, you know, I'm almost trying to treat this as if like, what if I was a politician Right. and people were, the, you know, your citizen, the people that vote you in are, uh, even if you're on the right side of things, which is uh, a little more lenient towards, um, immigrants. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's the history of our country, I mean, it's right on the Statue of Liberty that will take you in. Right. Um, and I'll tell you what, too, there's, there's, that's what separates us from, I can't think of another country that has a relationship with a, a bordering country where so many people flee into the country. And I'm thinking specifically about the developed world in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it's very hard. They make it very hard if you're trying to uh, immigrate to their country to get jobs. Certainly, 
France is the one that gave us the Statue of Liberty, and they have these work cards that you have to wait to get. And once you get one, uh, you basically can't get a job. Talk about a union. Huh. Uh, you can't get a job anywhere unless you have these, these work permits. Right. Um, so it's uh, we're a little bit different here. Um, okay, let's get into uh, the second topic here. If, if we have other points to make, if you want to go back and make a point about the border, we certainly can do that. Okay. Um, let's move on to number two, which is Mexico. This uh, the country of Mexico. Yeah. All right. So we have. Uh, obviously, we can look at our government. How are we handling the uh, attempted migration of Mexican citizens? We can look at our border patrol. Um, how are they treating these people? We can look at these floating buoys that are being instituted by the Lone Star policy of Governor Abbott in South Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's take a look at Mexico because they are the main culprit in why their own citizens are fleeing the country and trying to come here. What are they doing wrong? Like, what are they doing that's so poor? That it's just this constant stream. It's been happening uh, on a major level uh, for years. And what I looked up, we'll spout some statistics first. I just went onto Wikipedia and got some information about their uh, some of the financial crises they've gone through uh, through the years. Uh, now, first of all, you had mentioned earlier, Sean, uh, DM, excuse me. <laughs> We got to get rid of these damn aliases. <laughs> we keep seeing each other's names all the time. It's, it's ridiculous. But um, you mentioned earlier about um, how can we go back to Mexico and say, "Hey, look, uh, you got a problem. What are you doing to help?" Right. Like this is what we're trying to do. We obviously need some help. We're failing in some areas. What are you trying to do? Now, in 2022, President Obrador of Mexico has been in there since 2018. Um, introduced a new spending bill, and nowhere in the spending bill was intended to address the problems mm-hmm. at the border. Nowhere in there was there, um, did he put into his spending agenda, oh, let's put a, instead of a detention type center, let's make a new, nicer waiting area. Let's put some of our troops there to yeah. make sure that if the cartels are around the area, um, that working with uh, the U.S. Border Patrol, we can help eliminate some of that problem. Right. Um, and nowhere in there was it was all spending on infra- infrastructure, which is great. It's going to give construction jobs, whatever. Uh, but what do you think about Mexico not touching the problem at all, not spending any money to help their own people that are, are uh, sometimes dying trying to get through? Right. Um, there's been like a long history with uh, the U.S. government and Mexico and like the yeah, like the CIA historically interfering with Mexican government, and um, I, I just think uh, they they have to they have to work on uh, they have to work on their country as well. And and uh, I mean it's yeah it's like why are people coming? Why would people leave? You know their their home country to right. come here to put up a bunch of shit. Um, and it, it's. I don't know. They they gotta. How do you how do you get rid of the cartels? You know, or how do you at least make it to a point where um, you could not subdue, but like, how do you make it limit their power? Yeah, limit right. their power. How are they growing so much faster than the other other parts of the workforce in Mexico? That, I mean, that's it's crazy because like they're killing journalists that <clears throat> expose. You know when they they you know you, they're killing journalists who expose the cartels and who's part of it, and a lot of times in the reporting, 
you find that there's law enforcement, military, uh, you know, special crime units, and they're infiltrated by the cartel. So it's like this game. Um, and then on top of it, like, you know, you see reports where, like, sometimes the cartels are more constructive in some ways in local politics and the way they handle things than the government. And so it's just like, you know, it's there's, like, a lot of corruption um, it's, it's just clean up, you know, cut funding, uh, you know, uh, work, you know, I, I don't know, get, get stronger, get more, uh, more taller or not taller, but more, uh, for more of a foot up the cartel's ass. I, I, that's, this is one of those things where it's like, it reminds me of like, when we're talking about the dark web, how do you go to the, the source of this problem? And, and, you know, and it didn't help the United States as, you know, you know, from the 70s and 80s and partly the 90s contributed to the problem of the drug war and, you know, getting involved. So I, it's it's just one of those things. I um, And they're here, too. The cartels aren't just in Mexico. They've infiltrated a lot of, like, small-town America as well. Yeah, and you mentioned the journalists being killed, 130 uh, politicians running for office in, in 2018 were killed before they actually made it into office. And right. there's certainly only one area you can point to um, that could be responsible for those deaths, 130. Can you right. imagine if that happened in America? There was that many politicians being killed by gangs right. before they get you know, And so let's take a look at the comparison of... Mexican cartels with American gangs. Uh, to me, the, the biggest thing to compare these two is um, how to keep people out of them. I guess let's say the most successful ways to keep people out of gangs. Now, uh, a little, a little uh, Mexican history as far as financially. Let's look at their. I have a little, a very little information about their education system, but uh, financially, as far as their job markets and job growth, I can talk about that a little bit. Because if you ask me when I talk about what can keep people, kids, sorry, it's kids, what can keep kids out of gangs, um, it's opportunities, other opportunities when you're young, uh, opportunities to make money, uh, opportunities for education, to have um, talk to uh uh, planners, uh, uh, what do you what do you call those uh, the people in high schools that you talk to to help you plan out your career planners? Um, I'm forgetting the title of the. Uh, damn it. Anyway, counselors, um, career counselors. Counselors. There you go. Yeah. So uh, you know, better schools, put more money into schools, and I'll tell you what, whatever money that the president put into infrastructure, schools better be a part of it, the education system. Yeah. So it's been shown that areas that have better education have better access to further their education they want or their skill sets to be able to be a more educated workforce to get better jobs. Another problem that they have in Mexico is the major corruptions of their labor unions. Um, their labor unions that started in the 1940s through the 1980s, what I learned, um, were basically being run and um, overlooked by 
major businesses and, and the richest people in, in Mexico. It doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure out how that's going to go. That's not going to go into the workers' favor. Yeah. It's going to go in the favor of, of the owners of these big uh, companies. And what I found out is, that, I mean, it really put a total separation of the rich, rich versus poor during that 40-year time period. Sure. Now, since then, they've, try, they've tried to clean up the... Uh, their unions to make sure that they have proper representation in the unions that have the mindset of, you know, they're in it for the workers. That's why they're doing it, uh, not to help enrich the businesses. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about, um, so, I mean, what do you think, uh, TMA? That, that's my, the best thing I can think of is like, how do you, how do you stunt the cartel's growth? Better education. Um, uh, the other thing is that still, we talk about, uh, in America, there's what's called, if you're an undocumented laborer, which is different than a citizen, right. just means that you work under the table. In Mexico, uh, which of course you're not probably going to get benefits, you're not going to be a part of the la uh, union, um, and you're not going to get certain guarantees or or uh, perks. Uh, I'm going to say perks because I'm not just talking about raises, but... Uh, some of the basics that you should as far as work conditions and all these types of things, um, it's a two-to-one ratio in yeah. Mexico as far as undocumented workers versus documented. So what do you think about the comparison of cartels versus American gangs, education system? How Do you think that's something that can help the problem? Yeah, in addition, um, how about drug legalization, like fully uh, go towards go at their, you know, their, their product, go, go at what they're, they're selling, you know, um, you know, crack down on, on that as well. Um, Ooh, now wait, now DM, do you mean, uh, currently the biggest problem is cocaine and fentanyl? Yeah. And that's a huge problem. On it. Okay. That's another subject that could be discussed too, because it's, it's a, it's affecting American Americans as well. Um, they have a huge, you know, they have a huge problem with like how they treat women and indigenous people too. But, um, yeah, they do. I, um, yeah, I'd say just go for like, you know, go, go to their money maker, you know, go hit the money maker or hit their, uh, hit the product. Um, like I said, cut funding, the U S could cut funding to the, uh, to Mexico. Um, well, first of all, do you think that uh, the next topic we're going to talk about, North American Free Trade Agreement, yeah. put a lot of, of Mexican, basically took a lot of jobs out of America, put them in Mexico. Uh, we'll talk about the evil of that and how, how American politicians have gotten away with that. I have no idea. But um, now if we're helping them out with jobs, I mean, America, do you really think that as far as American-Mexican relations of the American government would be okay with them uh, allowing drugs to be legalized. Do you think we, the American government would really come down on them and sanction them and possibly even create embargoes on trade if, if they're doing that based off of how we feel about drugs in this country and the deaths associated with currently with fentanyl and uh, maybe not with cocaine as much, but with fentanyl? I mean, how, what do you think? Do you think the government would go for that or... No, I mean, we still have, the U.S. government still has a lot of hang-ups. There's still a lot of politicians who still think that the old way of doing things work. 
Um, and the, you know, like the xenophobia has an, is a problem as well. Um, I, I just, uh, it, it, there's a, there's a lot to, that contributes to this, but yeah, I mean, attitude and just changing policies as well. Um, I, yeah, I feel it's like whatever the United States throws at that problem it's not working and the United States, the U, uh, the Mexican government needs to step up a little more but it's like you know how are they going to if they if it's a very corrupt if it's got a problem with corruption. Yeah. yeah. Um okay, well let's uh Let's move forward to the next topic. Uh, this one, I think, will have uh, quite a bit to say about this. It's been um, a plague on America for years and years. Uh, there's the North American Free Trade Agreement. Now, of course, American jobs have been shipping overseas to uh, China and to other third world countries that have helped build up their industrial force and actually created an industrial revolution in China. Yeah. But we'll deal with the the NAFTA agreement that was signed in 1994, championed by Bill Clinton. And I, I got to tell you, DM, as we're looking through history and we look at presidents, um, the more we look at Bill Clinton, and we, we, that could be a separate podcast, but his presidency is not looking too well. I know that he inherited a an improving economy from Bush when Bush, uh, the very I believe he's the one of the very last minute raised taxes um, before he left office, which um, didn't sit too well with Republicans, of course. But that is really what created the the robust burst of uh, the economy in the yeah. 1990s. Um, now Clinton, of course, helped sign this into into uh, into agreement. Basically, what it was is that uh, American companies could shift uh, factory labor jobs over to Mexico and face little if no uh, surcharges or import fees as far as getting these products back to sell at a great discount. Uh, what disgusts me about this is that uh, we look at the largest manufacturers to go to Mexico, right. um, which are certainly the auto industry. In fact, uh, not just General Motors, but um, there's a lot of companies that have uh, shifted there. And basically what happens is the parts, some of the more intricate work is done here as far as making the parts. They're shipped over with the pieces to Mexico for assembly, and that's where a lot of the assembly is done. Mm -hmm. Those are still major U.S. jobs, in fact. Uh, look, there's People aren't as bright here that could use jobs like that. We're not a, quite as technically um, intricate, but um, the Homer Simpsons, you know, that's that's something he he would be able to do to right. assemble the parts into a car. So anyway, um, Coca-Cola bottling has uh, major manufacturers in uh, Mexico, uh, medical devices, uh, and uh, let me see what else. Yeah, the aerospace. What's that? I think Tesla's down there, too. Tesla, Prom, sure. They're part of the automotive industry. Uh, Honeywell is down there. Uh, the aerospace um, engineering, which is, I didn't find a company. I just found that the industry of aerospace has moved down there. I'm not sure if that's assembling or whatever. I don't even want to guess. Yeah, yeah. Spaceships, or whatever, I mean, to, to go to the moon or something. Um but that's a, a big thing that supposedly, that not supposedly has helped their economy, but it's helped destroy our middle class and what makes right. me sick. 
is that the biggest inheritance of fortunes of this agreement is obviously not the middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it is, it's the, it's the stockholders. Basically, it boosts the company's profits. If you're a majority stockholder, which you have to be rich to have uh, major stock in major companies anyway. Mm-hmm. That's the, what this is. This is a part of the problem that Americans don't realize when we're blaming Mexicans coming across the border, when we're blaming uh, whoever the fuck people want to try to play gay people, um, you know, black people, black lives matter and kneeling for the anthem and all this bullshit. All this is designed to do is to take our eyes and our focus off of what to me is a major problem in America. And it's, um, the difference of it's a uh, more socioeconomical differences and the separation of rich and poor yeah. is so friggin' disgusting here. Yeah. And let me just tell you something in 2008, 15 years ago, um, Bill Gates was the richest human being, but he was worth maybe $15 million the most. Yeah. Now, in 2023, in 15 years, there's been a boom in billionaires. Um, yeah, and now billionaires are worth a quarter of a trillion dollars when you talk about uh, Elon Musk. And guess what? You get, they, they're so, they're so freaking smart. Uh, and they're so, uh, they have such great ideas, they're going to get into a, a fucking cage match and wrestle about something. That shows you how brilliant our, our millionaires really are. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's disgusting. And, you know, uh, I just want to say, like, you know, also the jobs that were shipped down there, they don't pay people shit in Mexico either, the factory workers. Uh, yep, you know that they uh, get... The automotive workers yeah. get an average of two dollars an hour. Yeah, and it's it's a, it's just disgusting. It's like uh, you, you you didn't you didn't you helped maybe like the corporations out or Clinton helped the corporations out, but as far as the people, like he not only screwed the U.S. but he also contributed to screwing Mexicans as well. You know, and and. Uh, uh, other people there as well and, and contributing to a lot of the problems. Um, yeah, I just, uh, it, I, when I learned that when I was younger, I thought that just doesn't make any sense. Why are you doing that? Because uh, the 90s was a booming time. I mean, people were like investing. You could buy a house. Like, you know, you could. Tech industry was out of control. Right. And now it's like, you know, it's just become slave labor and child labor and, uh, so yeah, I just, uh, I think that was one of the, like the two biggest things that Clinton failed at was the NAFTA, uh, signing and then, uh, his crime bill. So I think that, uh, oh, yeah. three strikes and you're out or something. Huh? Was that the, sorry, was that the three strikes and you're out? Yeah. No matter what the crime is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He also, you know, I mean, real quick, he also affected, like, the, the welfare program as well. He made that, like, more stringent to to appease the uh, Republicans. True. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was a lot more centrist than we thought back then. We look back on him now. Any other country, he's actually probably a Republican if you put him in Europe. Right. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what, too. The whole thing, you know what this reminds me of? Um the automotive industry and the, and the NAFTA agreement reminds me of Walmart uh, yeah. as far as uh, taking uh, Walmart, of course, famously 
uh, will not buy. Excuse me. I mean, they, everything they get is is overseas, either from Korea or a different Asian island or from China. And I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Bill Clinton, who you know, I'm not saying he got the entire idea himself, the NAFTA agreement, but. Uh, him and his wife sat on the board for Walmart in the 1980s and were part of that, the decline of the American workers for sending the, uh, gray. You get, you know, a couple of cashiers and some people stocking shelves. Uh, but all of these factory jobs that, that went overseas as far as making the products that they sell. Right. And, uh, so between, uh, you know, him and his wife working on the board of Walmart, uh, Bill Clinton, like you said, the three strikes and you're out, plus the NAFTA agreement, not, not to mention, he privatized radio in the 1990s, when radio went to a couple of corporations own radios now, versus old school radio where we had, um, yeah, where it looked more like the show WKRP in Cincinnati, yeah. like just sort of one one semi-rich person owns a studio and you have like these DJs who get to play what they want and it was a real art form right. and it turned it into basically where everything is either um, Latin radio which is you know there's a lot of Latin people here they want to listen to their own radio uh, or there's there was a major investment by religion uh, Catholic and Christian really took over uh, radio 700 club bought all kinds of um uh, bought all kinds of radio stations to <clears throat> further their agenda. And um, it, it really took radio from being this free enterprise of music to more um, to non non music, basically, and allowed right. basically a couple of Talk radio. Uh, companies to, yeah, to, to run the whole operation. So, but I got to tell you, I, I look back at his presidency, and I, I used to have arguments with my dad about this. And he's like, oh, the economy was booming. Well, we talked earlier. It wasn't exactly, you know, not that he didn't do some things to sustain it. Um, but um, I, I really don't look favorably favorably upon his, uh, and neither do historians, uh, his presidency. And anyway, I have a individual story to, to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, which reminds me of the movie, damn, I'm not sure if you saw Roger and me. By Michael Moore. Man, I haven't seen that in years, but yeah. Yeah, so that was about the uh, all of the towns. Of course, Flint, Michigan is where he was from, and right. uh, the automotive industry just left there basically one by one. Every plant shut down, and they showed what, how it affected the towns um, and how it decimated uh, families and basically decapitated the middle class uh, throughout Michigan and, and throughout other areas, but especially Michigan. Um, I can tell you that I grew up in a little town uh, called Sturbridge, Massachusetts, and our neighboring town was called Southbridge. Um, now, Sturbridge was a little bit of a maybe uh, upper class, a little bit, a little bit more money went into our schools. Uh, the school sucked, so I don't know where the money went to. Right. But, um, but anyway, Southbridge was more of the industrial town, and they had factories and plants there. And it was really scary to watch all of these factories leave. In fact, one of the last major factories, which employed upwards of 1,200 people, they were talking about a small town of, I don't know, uh, 20,000 maybe yeah. at the, the most, maybe 10 to, 10 to 20,000. So it employed 1,200 people 
Uh, the company was American Optical that made glasses, and they moved to Mexico. And to see the effects on that town within a, a short time period, crime erupted. Um, and that you could notice it wasn't just the crime. They, there was more garbage on the, on the streets. It's like people didn't care anymore. Mm. So it's kind of like once you lose hope, you'd be surprised at the behaviors of people about how they can, how primitive they can get as far as robbing other people. Like, what the heck? I need to eat. Let's yeah. rob my neighbor. Uh, let's just throw trash in the streets because you know what? What kind of hope do you have? It smells. It smelled like garbage over there. Yeah. And it was really, um, oh, really horrible. They really looked at our town, like, oh, those are the. You know the elite. We we weren't. We just weren't lower class. Unfortunately, what happened is they went from being a middle class town with industrial jobs to the lower class, and it was really really sad uh, to see what happened there. And this is what pisses me off about stockholders and major companies because you're making decisions, human decisions, when you sh you're making financial decisions when you should be factoring in the human factor. Uh, of what you're doing to towns, but these people that that are major billionaires don't don't just don't give a shit. They don't exactly. care less about what happened to Flint, Michigan. They can care less yeah. what happened in Southbridge, Massachusetts. They're above the crime. They're not going to be around it. They're, they travel in, in limos and gates, and yeah. uh, they have gated communities. Anyway, uh, Sean, I'm not sure if you have any similar stories or what you think about the, like I said before, the decapitation of the middle class with all of these industrial jobs leaving. I don't have any personal stories myself, but um, I just know that uh, you know that that the NAFTA agreement was just shitty, uh, right. and it just kind of ruined this this country. But um, yeah, I um, yeah, if you don't invest in your towns and you don't have a you don't have any income, then it's like you're you know the place you live is going to look like it's going to be a shithole. Um, yeah. Yeah. No one. Yeah. Good. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to say you're, you know, it's just, you're going to be living in a shit hole. It's like that movie, uh, uh, Gummo. You ever seen Gummo? No. It was a story of this, the guy who made kids back in the nineties. Um, I forgot his name. Anyway, he made this movie called Gummo and it's just, it's about this impoverished town in Ohio. Uh, and it's just, you know, there's no investment in the town, so it's very poor, and, you know, a lot of kids running around, you know, no education, and it's just, uh, you could just, you could just tell, it's just like, there's a complete difference, you can see the investment in the towns that are wealthy as, you know, compared to towns that are, uh, that are impoverished, so. Yeah, and there's plenty of other, um, just one-off um, the situations that I remember as far as a movie that I think of, which is, nobody talks about this movie. It's not a very well-known movie, but it was a Danny DeVito movie in the early 90s. Yeah. And it was called OPM, which is um, Other People's Money, which... Uh, oh, I, does, he, I, does he play a scumbag who, like, rips people yes, off? Yes, an investor. Right, yep. Yeah. Now, I... I I'm sure, like OPM, like I think OPT maybe got their slogan from the the acronyms from other people's money and just turned into other people's problems. Yeah. But um, yeah, but uh, other people's money 
is basically about the small town where I think it was Gregory Peck owns a major uh, factory which employs a lot of people. Now, what what this guy would do, Danny DeVito's character would do research about, hmm, okay, uh, there's a great need for the, uh, this product. This is why this uh, factory has, has um, or this company has been around this long. Whatever they're selling, it was little candies, little buttons, little trinkets, whatever it is. There's a need for it, um, but they're employing obviously American people. So he's, hmm, you know, if I buy this company, I can I can invest in the company, liquidate by uh, getting rid of all of the uh, employees. Uh, I'm not saying sell the employees, but I'm saying uh, you get rid of all the employees, and then you can actually put your move that. Um, move to Mexico and then, you know, make triple or however many of the profits and you and your investors make a lot of money and, and it just goes on and on. Right. That's one case that happens over and over again. Um, and unless the American people wake up and, and I don't know how, how you can stop major investors from... I guess you just not have to sell to those investors. I mean, uh, now the thing is, if you have a board in your company, which in this movie there was a board that uh, basically were like the investors said, "Look, I'll guarantee you this amount of money if if you vote to sell to me." Yeah. And it makes them a lot of money, and, and this happens over and over again. In fact, it happened with um, in another Michael Moore movie. He talks about the payday candy, which was a huge. Um, I mean, everyone knows the candy, and, uh, and they're in Pennsylvania as well. There's lots of, besides Hershey, there's other companies in right. Pennsylvania that make candy. And they had record profits. And what they did is they uh, promised the workers that if they made a certain profit margin, that they would give them raises. And what they did is they went back on their word, and when they made the record pro profit margins, they were up, able to up the ante as far as the sale of the company. The board sold the company to, I don't know if it was Mars or whoever they sold them to, a bigger company, yeah. which moved the factories down to, again, Mexico. Yeah. Um, so underhanded tactics and, and just, uh, it just, it seems like it's never ending. And if we keep going in this direction, I mean, well, it's just really scary to think about where we'll end up. So right now, um, as far as that subject goes, um, there are a lot of places where they're starting to unionize uh, because a lot of people in different in different uh, in different companies are getting fucked, and they're starting to realize like like you know let's look into unionization because uh, these corporations do not give a fuck about you, and you can take any any type of material or any product and you know entertainment to. You know, you got uh, UPS just unionized. Starbucks has been unionized, trying to unionize for the past, like, three years. And people yeah. are starting to wake up and, like, look, man, I'm important, and without me, you don't have shit. Um, and so I think unionization is, you know, is a, is a, is a big help. Um, and I think people, more people are starting to realize that if you come together and, you know, stand up, and you know, leave, leave, uh, or you know, not leave, but if you if you uh, stand up and you say no, I'm not gonna fucking take this shit anymore to the corporations. Like they're gonna, they're, they're eventually gonna fold because without without these uh, 
without these people, your products ain't shit. You know, like Marvel right now, their uh, visual effects department is going to unionize because they're screwing those people. Um, actors right now, so the this, the SAG-AFTA uh, protests right now uh, are going to start affecting because right now there's a lot of movies that are going to be put on hold and TV shows and, you know, it, it, you just, I think right now we're seeing the, you know, we're seeing a lot of people getting tired of this shit. Um, and it's, you know, like I said, these corporations, they, they don't fucking care. These are like disgusting people that think that you can just screw people, take their labor and fuck them. And, you know, I, and ship everything over and it's, it's, it's fucked. It, it, or, uh, it's, it's fucked up how they, they're treating people, but it's, we're seeing that a lot of people are getting tired of it. There's a lot of people union, uh, Amazon, you had Amazon, like they're starting to unionize. Uh, they, the couple of years ago, they started to unionize and, uh, yeah, yeah. Bezos hates it. You know, a lot of these guys fucking, they had Howard Schultz on yeah, during a hearing and he, he's getting burned by like Bernie Sanders and a lot of different, um, uh, a lot of different, uh, senators because it's just like, how do you explain, um, union busting and treating your employees like shit. And he just, you know, he's, he's trying to, you know, Howard Schultz is trying to glaze it over like, yeah, no, they're treated great and you don't need a union. And it's like, well, why not? So, um, it's, it's just that you can't, you know, you, you these, like I said, these people are tired of it. And I think unionization is a, is a powerful tool. You know, I think it's a great, it's a great thing. And I think that's like the only way to do it. Cause it's like, not you can't you can't automate factories you know all the factories you, humans are a big contributor AI I mean <laughs> uh, that's another episode but uh, yeah you know what I can understand when you're setting up a com a company you have to have a business model you have to have cost figures and projections right to assimilate a certain amount of uh, wealth to attract um. Stockholders, I just think stockholders have too much power um, too much. In, in what happens, and they make too much money. And I believe that there should be higher amounts of profits going back to employees, uh, which makes so much more sense because they're the ones that, you know, you, know, you don't think that an employee is going to take more pride in, in something if they actually have a stake, a financial stake, more than just an hourly wage right? Uh, and some shitty benefits. Um, and, you know, and I'm looking specifically at Amazon because when you have a guy that oh built God, a uh, a mansion that's bigger, that's as big as a large city, like at one point when he was amassing his wealth, and he's worth a quarter of a trillion dollars now, when he was amassing his wealth, at what point did he say, okay, I'm worth $500 million, um, let's start to shift the the... Uh, the wealth a little bit this co company where I make a little bit less and the stockholders make a little bit less and we actually give more to the employees and pay them a little it, bit more. It, At what uh, point do you stop being such a fucking pig and say, you know what, let's spread a little bit of this around. This is why I believe, and this is a very controversial subject, I think there should be a maximum wage. You should only be able to make maximum amounts of money and yes, I realize there's going to be a huge uh, problem with, with people hiding their wealth. It's just going to make uh, smart, rich people bend the law more to try to right. um, hide their money overseas. But then you know what? What the fuck is the IRS for? Right. So what? To go after some people making 
twenty thousand dollars a year to see if they hit like uh, right. oh you made money gambling last year let's right. let's make sure that you get audited it, for that it's funny you say that like i think we mentioned this before uh i was watching bill maher on his first show and he had uh jello biafron the singer uh and uh speaker from which band dead kennedy's the singer for the ah. yeah there we go so he promoted that, and Bill Maher fucking wigged, like, that's not fair, and, like, people should make money, and blah, 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 Mr. Progressive, and it's like, he's like, do, does Michael, at the time, this was the 90s, so he's like, does Michael Jordan really need $100 million? Like, does, these people have so much money, it's like, do you really need that? You, like, and I said this before, where if you physically take, and you put it in cash, right, all their money, all the billions, and you put it in the fucking room, like, there's no way in hell you will ever spend all that money and see and physically see all that money ever. This doesn't even, it doesn't even affect these people. Like, they're just gluttons. They just, it's like they're, you know, they're living up the seven deadly sins. It's like, you're fucking crazy, man. Like, you're, you, have, no. you have people starving and unable to take piss breaks at Amazon. Walmart has people on food stamps. And these people are so rich. And it's like, I don't know how you can, like, live with yourself when the people working under you are fucking hurting. It's like, if you treat people good, they will work their ass off for you. And short of taking a bullet for you, you know, uh, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I never understood that with rich people, how you could be so selfish. And, and like, you know, I just never understood. And these are people that, that don't have to deal with that shit. They don't ever ever have to talk to their employees. They can seriously sit in their own mansion, and they'll never. They can totally be separate from society. And that's that's the other issue I have with wealthy people. Is like they live in within our society. <clears throat> they live in their own society, and they completely can be cut off from the rest of it. Because you see it. You have all these rich people. They have no idea what the fuck's going on in the world. And now, GM. Now, come on now. Uh, now, look. This is ridiculous. How? How can we take away from billionaires their ability to compete against other billionaires? How can you say to the guy that's the fourth richest guy, you don't have, you shouldn't have the opportunity right. to be the first richest guy? How can you look at a, a Forbes list and say, hey, I'm number four. Right. I'm driven to be number one. And it, it drives you more than paying your people a livable wage. Uh, it, you know, it, I don't get it. Dude. Obviously, that was yeah. I I, I get to tell you, the more I talk about this, it really seems like I don't know. I get a little defeated about it because there's uh, we're going in one direction in this country, and it's a winner take all. Uh, I call it a lot for a little and a little for a lot. Yeah. Basically, that the separation of rich and poor is growing. Um, and billionaires, I'll tell you what, they have, they're infecting governments. Um, they're infesting governments. They are getting involved in governments. Uh, they want to get involved in writing laws. I mean, Elon yeah. Musk wants to tax pe people who don't have kids more because they quote unquote don't know or wants to restrict their voting rights because they don't I have mean, a stake in the, the future. Fuck, dude. Like, who the fuck this, do you think you are, you fucking piece of shit? I, like, I, I don't I'm get this. Man, I get nuts. No, this guy, like, there's another issue that is included with the wealth issue. Is like a lot of these fucking assholes are like contribute to fascism. Uh, the Mercers, uh, you know, I think who they then they start Breitbart. Um, you have like <sighs> the. Uh, 
who are those two asshole brothers? Uh, the Cock Brothers. The, the Cock Brothers, like they're from fake, Wisconsin. You know, like they're fucking. Uh, they're they're part of the problem. Um, you know, a lot of them vote fucking Republican and conservative, and and you know, but they're behind. They're behind uh, a lot of the politics and the policies now going on. Like they, you had uh, Clarence Thomas was just reported to have like four major billionaires, uh, and him and Alito have four. You know, all these major billionaires uh, kicking them down. You know, kicking them uh, some money and treating them like you know, spoiling them. And it, it, it's just like how 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 do you what the fuck is the problem with these people? I just think you know. I personally think that, you know, hacker groups like Anonymous, this and that, I think they should, you know, and I don't know, I'll probably get in trouble for this, but, like, I think they should hack, steal their money, and, and distribute it to people in different ways. It's like, because it's like, how else are we going to deal with this? Because, like, the system protects them. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of millionaires who are politicians, and it doesn't, you know, they don't give a fuck, and... Uh, another rich problem is the NRA is super rich, or it used to be. Wayne LaPierre is a fucking rich asshole, and they're supplying death weapons. So it's like it's like guns, uh, you know, policies, uh, politicians. Uh, I mean, another douchebag, you know, a couple minutes, like what what really kills me is like when you have like celebrities, especially rappers, who brag about being from the hood, and then they leave. And then they they become Republicans, and then they douche on the places uh, that they're from. Lil Wayne, like Republican, fucking huge, you know, bragging about how much money he has. It's like, where did you did you put any of that back, man? Did you go back to where you're fucking from? Jay Z's the same thing. Like I just heard like a month ago, where Beyonce had a bunch of people kicked out of a. They kicked a bunch of the these uh, guests at a hotel out so they could you know help. Uh, they could uh, give a whole floor or something to Beyonce. And it's just like, it's, it's like, you know, what the fuck is wrong with you? Dave, Dave Chappelle goes into a, you know, uh, uh, a city, uh, he goes into a, uh, a meeting, a city meeting, and he threatens, like, with the, he literally says, you know who I am. Like, I want this comedy club here. And it's like, the irony is, it's like, he's going to fuck over these poor white people because the majority of the town is white. And and it's like you, you know you're gonna fuck these people over, and that's the town you decide to reside in because you got a big history there, and you're gonna throw your name because he's fucking rich. And it's just I I I have I'm starting to just I I I have issues with rich people, and it's like wealthy people make me sick. I work where I work, they come into my fucking job, you know. We I live in Juneau. We every summer we got people coming in yachts. They fucking come in. They're they're chefs fucking take a shitload of product from like my department uh, for their boat and the citizens of this town are affected because it's like, oh, well, this boat had to have like fucking, you know, 100 pounds or 300 pounds of bananas and shit. And it's just, it's like, and that's a small thing, you know, it's just these, these fucking, these rich people, man, they're, they're disgusting. I'm having less and less fucking sympathy for them as human beings because, I mean, dude, Elon Musk is like in trouble right now because it's like he's trying to protect child molesters uh, and people supporting kitty porn uh, and distributing it on Twitter and he's trying to just uh, or X and he's trying to he's trying to defend them and fascists 
Like, dude's a straight up, he's a South African, he's an African. He's a fake African. Right, not only that, but the government, it just came out in the Trump trial um, of the documents case. They had to subpoena Twitter to get Donald Trump's Twitter account to be able to to look at their, uh, because there's obvious crimes being committed. They didn't even comply with the subpoena. Elon Musk did not supply the subpoena. He gave yeah. them information, but only after the subpoena dates. Um, so that motherfucker should go down for that. I mean, that's it. How, I can't stand rich people. Um, and by the way, we have to end this topic here quickly because we're getting off of uh, more of the immigration. We're going into income inequality. But I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, he's someone we have to talk about in the future because um, he's just, a, like you said, a South African uh, coming in here and basically uh, flouting America's rules and policies and laws when it comes to subpoenas about uh, a traitor keeping documents, uh, right, supposedly like, using them to, uh, you, you, to make deals with other countries. Or, or you know what I heard with Trump is with what part of the documents, at least what he told somebody, is that he has dirt on foreign leaders. And yeah. they might try to blackmail them sure. to say, like, look, unless you come out and, and give me money or right. let me put my hotels or my, yeah, not casinos anymore. He's out of that. Unless you put my uh, hotels in your country, I'm going to out you that you did this and you did that. Right, he's right. got all the, the intel dirt on them. What about what about Elon Musk? The dude's like, is he an American citizen? Is he here legally? And let's talk about immigration. This white motherfucker, uh, South African douchebag. Uh, comes to the United States and you know he gets he gets free, he gets grants to to uh, to you know the American government supplies him with grants so he could do his like you know make his death machines. Um, I mean it's just it's like you know what about these rich people like from other countries who fucking come here? Uh, you know it's like the Russians. Uh, you know you have all these uh, Russian mob and and uh, ex KGB agents here doing you doing shit like why don't we like remove foreign gangs you know you want to talk about immigration like let's fucking crack down and and just destroy these fucking assholes who come from other countries um and do crime here i mean what the fuck is up with that all right well we have we have devolved into a uh non-stop four-letter word barrage uh against rich people yeah uh rightfully so i'll tell you what um Jim, we have to have those two. You mentioned the Supreme Court earlier. I've been the more I read read about Clarence Thomas, he makes me sick. Um, this and, guy was a fucking uh, Panther, man. He was part of the fucking Black Panthers, man. All right, let's hang on. Let's hang on yeah. to that information. I'm sorry, man. We got to cut it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was uh, Master Blaster Podcast. Just putting this information on blast. Uh, please check it out out on RSS. This is our third episode. Immigration. Look for more of DM's Venom when it comes to the Supreme Court and in- income equality with me, Jesus, and we will be coming at you next time. Thank you for tuning in and have a great night. All right. Thank you.